Welcome to the View from the Penalty Box podcast with Cam Connor. Classic hockey stories from one of hockey's toughest enforcers. Podcast number 27. My name is Cam Connor, along with my son, Chris. So we are recording this on uh, Sunday, and I know in the U.S., everyone is in a turkey Thanksgiving coma, and up here in Canada, we are jealous because we celebrate Thanksgiving in October. I remember when we first moved back from New York, we used to have Thanksgiving, we used to celebrate both months in yeah, that's because our family loves turkey. <laughs> yeah, and then I think a few years after we kind of dropped the American November and just uh, started celebrating in October. But it's kind of nice to have a bigger break between Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holidays. Well, just because you brought up turkey, Chris, um, uh, I've actually got a turkey in the oven today because I just love my turkey and turkey sandwiches the next day, so... I probably will cook a turkey four times a year, five times a year if I can. So anyways, speaking of Canada, uh, it's the Grey Cup today in our city. For those of you who don't know, it's like a very a smaller, smaller, smaller version of the Super Bowl. But it's still a big deal up here in Canada. So quickly, Dad, do you have any predictions for who will win? You know, I uh, football's got such a short season. I try to watch as many games as I can, so I don't know football as well as maybe I do hockey. I mean, I read the stats. So, although we're in the province of Alberta and Calgary is part of this province, I got to go with not my heart, but with my brain. And I got to, even though Calgary's favorite, I've got to say Ottawa just because they've got such a strong defense. And if they could put that pressure on that quarterback so he hasn't got lots of time to figure out who he wants to throw to and and the receivers, you know, they can't get open right away necessarily. So I, I got to go with Ottawa. I just think that uh, they're strong enough on the defensive side that they're going to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback and uh, which would uh, cause them to lose. And uh, a lot of fans have asked for some current content. I guess your thoughts on the NHL right now. So you've been, you can probably hear the papers rustling in the background. Dad, you've been uh, studying, <laughs> you've been looking at the standings. So you're going to talk a little bit about your thoughts on the teams doing well, maybe the teams not doing well. Before we do that, so I don't forget, I'll quickly say if you have any questions, you can send it to view from the penalty box at gmail.com. You can always tweet my dad. Cam Connor NHL. You're also on Instagram. Same name there. And uh, we appreciate everyone who is buying our shirts. I've actually saw someone wearing our shirt. So we appreciate that. And that's viewfromthepenaltybox.com slash merch. You have one of our shirts and I, I still have to order one for myself. So mm-hmm. I'll be doing that shortly. But so what are your thoughts, Dad, on... I guess it's November 25th we're recording this. So what are your thoughts as of now on the, the the different teams? Well, you know, I kind of highlighted to talk about five, six different teams in here. The biggest surprise in my mind is Buffalo Sabres is in, they're in first place in the Atlantic Division. 
They're one point ahead of Tampa Bay, and they've played uh, one more game. So that could even out pretty soon. When I look at Nashville, well, they're leading the Central Division. I don't think that's a surprise. You look at Chicago Blackhawks in the Central Division. They are nine wins, ten losses. You know, they're in trouble. The GMs, they've got to try to figure out, and it's, I'm not saying I could do it, but, you know, they had a team that had won four years or three years or two years in a row in, in, in Chicago where Taves and Patrick Kane, and they had two or three other great supporting cast members. They were awesome. So they had to sign them long-term to keep them in the organization. But, you know what, who's going to take now? You know, Patrick Kane, I, I don't think he is up in the scoring right now. Well, he's, he's probably about 20th, 25th, somewhere right in there. But other than him, like Jonathan Taves, who is a tremendous hockey player, but the last few years, he's not who he was when he was younger. And there's other guys on the team that are the same thing, but they've locked these guys into long-term, big-buck contracts. And when you do that, who's going to pick up Jonathan Taves? I think I've heard $11 million, $12 million a year, quite a bit. And I, and I understand he's still got six more years on his contract. So these teams... It, it's pretty hard to try to predict the future. So when you sign somebody to an eight-year, ten-year contract, you know, and, and these Chicago boys, they, they're all long-term. They're real good ones, and their payroll is quite high. How are they going to get better? Like, there's no cap room on there. So, you know, that's a tough choi- choice for, for – and it's just like Patrick Lanny. That uh, in Winnipeg, you know, his, his contract's up this year. He has scored 19 goals in 22 games. And I'm thinking, wow, is that ever good? Then I look at his stats. He's got three assists. Now, what is that? He just stands, he's kind of like a Ovechkin to some degree, where he kind of parks himself around the net anywhere. He gets the puck, he's shooting it. Now, he's 6'5", he can shoot a puck. He's always been a good goal scorer. But he's also minus two. And then you get a guy like Kyle Connor who's got more points than Lonnie. But I bet you if their contract's up the same time, Lonnie's going to get more. I always wondered about that. You know, there's way more to the game than just scoring goals. Now, I get it. Goals win hockey games. And when you go to negotiate your contracts... You know, the GMs, they hold that against you. If you, you know, you could be a great team player. You're maybe one of the reasons why the team is winning, even though you don't have 19 goals in 22 games. And so when the contract is up, that's all they talk to you. Oh, how many goals you get? How many goals? They don't even look at the plus minus, you know. And so it's going to be interesting where Lonnie finishes the year in the plus minus card and Winnipeg Jets, they are a good hockey team. So, Quite often when you're a lower-level team that's not winning many games, everybody on your team is a minus. But to be on a good hockey team that scores lots of points, to be a minus player, that's not good. But anyways, we'll see where this goes with the Jets, but you know he's going to have he's gonna hit a home run, I guarantee it, even though he's only got three assists. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't know about that. So he's not even in the 20, top 25, 30 in, in scoring. But uh, anyways, you know, I'd love to have him on my team, but I would probably 
probably have a little bit of talks about trying to better other parts of his game. But that's just my opinion. Uh, when you look over in the Metropolitan Division, you know, we've got Washington leading that, which we knew they would. And Pittsburgh is sitting in 22 games, 9 wins, 8 losses. Well, you know what? As long as Pittsburgh makes the playoffs, they're deadly. They've got such firepower up front. And as long as their goal is stopping that puck, I wouldn't want to take them on in the first or second round. Pittsburgh is dangerous no matter where they're going to end up. Because you could have a lousy season as an individual player, but when the playoffs start, you start fresh. And if you had a lousy season, you say, okay, I'm going to have a I'm putting everything into this playoffs because people will forget what a poor season you might have had as an individual. And if you score, you know, 10 goals in 10 games or you get two points a game or whatever your stats are, it, it'll uh, it'll work for you. So P- Pittsburgh, I'm, I'm going to be following them closely. Vegas, like in the Pacific Division, is kind of what I thought. You got 11 wins, 12 losses. One stat that scares me with Vegas is they've got 63 goals for and 70 goals against. There isn't a team that I know of in hockey over the years, and I'm not saying I know everything. I always look at the goals for and goals against. So when I look at Tampa Bay, they've scored the most goals in the NHL in 23 games. they got 87 goals for. Tremendous. And the goals against is 66. You look at Ottawa. They have got nine wins, 11 losses in 23 games in the other tied. They got 83 goals for and 100 goals against. They're the first team that has, you know, that have hit the 100 marker. So to me, the teams that score, the teams that give up more goals than they're scoring, they don't have a chance when they, you know, first of all, it's going to be tough to make the playoffs. But if they make the playoffs, my money is definitely not on those teams. So a few teams have got to turn that around. And, and look at Los Angeles. My Lord. They played 21 games, 7 wins, 13 losses. They only got 15 points. They only scored 44 goals for. That's pretty well. Just two goals a game and they've given up 68. How are they going to get out of that rut? That is just terrible for a team like Los Angeles. I don't know how they went downhill so fast. You know, I realize Jonathan Quick is hurt this year, and he makes a difference on anybody's team. But still, you know, you only got 44 goals scored for. I mean, that's by far the lowest in the NHL. So, anyways, I, I did predict Tampa Bay to, to win the Cup this year. They're, they're, they're holding their own. And, again, the big surprise is Buffalo. And I'm really glad for Buffalo to Turned it around. Like, how many years in a row did they not make the playoffs? They were a boring team to watch. This is a good hockey team. So, it's uh, keep an eye on them. And, of course, Toronto, when everybody's healthy, they could score goals. They're, they're, a, they're a good hockey team. So, they're also a pleasure to watch. So, anyways, that's kind of what's happening right now. We'll see the next time around how the teams are faring. And there's a few more topics in, in the news over the last few weeks. You had tweeted, what does everyone think will be happening to the Oilers coach? Will he stay? Will he go? And the next day they let him go and replaced him temporarily with Ken Hitchcock, who I believe was retired until this. So do you have any thoughts on 
the changes to the Oilers coaching staff? Well, the only thing I could say is, you know, Ken Hitchcock, he's been around a long time and he's, he's, you know, when you look at his coaching wins and losses, he's, he's coached to more wins than he has losses. So that's positive. I think the Oilers management thought, Shirelli's thought is from what I read in the paper, they brought Ken Hitchcock in because, you know, they're not in a position to name a new coach to carry on in the next year or two or three or four to coach the Oilers. So right now they brought Hitch in. He's got a lot of experience with uh, young teams, older teams. And I, I think his knowledge, he's a little, from what I hear, a little more stern than other coaches. So I'm expecting, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the Oilers will start winning more goals, more games than maybe they're losing. I think that if we see more scoring from, you know, two lines, three lines, and not just Connor McDavid, whoever he's with, they, you know, Connor McDavid scored. He's been involved in at least half the amount of goals for that the Oilers have put on the board. So I think Hitchcock's going to be a good move. And obviously, if he turns things around and they do great, they're going to have to consider giving him another two, three more year contract. So it's going to be interesting. Time will tell um, where this one of the team's going to go. And another, I guess, thing in the news, which probably was maybe three weeks ago, is the fact that the Ottawa Senators players were commenting on the coaching staff for their team and the fact that some of them weren't trying very hard and an Uber driver released that footage. And I know you have thoughts on that. Well, I do. I can just say I'm glad that they didn't have these kind of... Back in my day, the technology wasn't there. And so you could sit in a cab and say whatever you want to say. If I'm on a team and I'm in a cab with some four or five other players and somehow we get on the topic of a coach, you'd express your opinion because you know it doesn't get back to the coach and you're not hurting anybody's feelings and you're not getting anybody mad at you. So it's just players talking to players. In this day and age, that uber driver um he was able to post that and it went viral and you know obviously ottawa and their staff and the owners of ottawa's hockey team everybody in the league got to see what they were thinking they didn't realize that they were being you know recorded and so that's just something that i think is a given today's day and age you just can't you can't be talking in public there's people listening. You can't be doing anything goofy in public because everybody's got phones with cameras on them. So I feel bad for the guys. That should never have left the cab. And I've read where the Uber driver got let go. And he has apologized for doing that as well. I don't know his motive for releasing that. The, the, no good be, could become of it. So I think that I think the guys have every right to talk away from the rink, not in the dressing room, just a bunch of guys hanging out. Just like people do in 9 to 5 life. You know, they talk about what's happening within their organizations. And you trust that it doesn't get back to... If, you, if you're not saying anything nice about somebody, it doesn't get back to them. It's just people talking. And that's the way it is. But you got to be smarter today. So we went to an Oilers game. I guess it was last week. And we were sitting up in the press box. And you looked over your shoulder. And there was uh, a few seats, empty seats in between us. And who did you think that you saw? You know, 
you play with guys and some guys you see on a fairly regular basis that you've played with and other times, you know, maybe every eight years you might bump into them somewhere. And so Chris and I were up in the press box at the Oiler game versus Vegas. I look over and I say, Chris, I think I recognize that guy. And he said, who do you think it is? I said, well, I think it's Don Maloney. And so Don and I played together, you know, with the Rangers. And Don was always one of these guys. He's kind of like Kevin Lowe. He's very polite and diplomatic. And when he talks, it makes a lot of sense. And I remember I always told myself with Kevin Lowe, that guy's going to be a GM one day. And it's the same with Donnie. You just knew he had those social skills that everybody liked him. And he smiled a lot when he talked. And so I knew he was going to do well. And when his career was over, he ended up being the assistant GM with Glenn Sather with the Rangers. And then he surfaced for seven years as the general manager for the Arizona hockey team. He was let go. And then he surfaced with the Calgary as the assistant general manager. So he was actually in Edmonton scouting because he had his laptop out and he was writing notes. And uh, so Chris, I said, I think it's Don Maloney. And Chris, he got a picture, brought a picture of Don Maloney up. And uh, I, I didn't bring a picture up. I, I didn't have one in my pocket, but I Googled. <laughs> and then he brought it Googled. up. He yeah, yeah, got yeah. it on, right? Yeah. So so then he showed a picture, and he says, I don't think this is Donnie. And I'm looking, well, I got blonde hair. But Donnie was wearing glasses, reading glasses, just to look at the screen or his, his keyboard. So I wasn't too sure, and I was going to walk over between, you know, at, at the intermission. But he got up, and he was walking by me, and we looked each other in the eye. And he said, Cam and Don, and sure enough, it was. So, you know, Donnie and I rehashed uh, a lot of things over 15, 20 minute period. And uh, it was certainly nice to see Donnie again. He still looks fit. He looks young. And I know he's certainly enjoying what he's doing. And I told him okay, what a lucky, lucky man he is to be doing, to be still in hockey at that end of it. And, and he acknowledged the same thing that uh, it's a blessing to still be in the game of hockey. Uh, what made me laugh, and I, I think I heard this right, was he said this is his first Canadian winter in 40 years. <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. And, uh, you know, after coming from Arizona, quite the change. So, you know, even though uh, he's from, I'm not sure where in Ontario, but that's where he grew up. And so, you know, he had winter, but when your blood thins out, and especially, you know, in New York, you get snowfalls, but it's not. Winnipeg weather, Edmonton weather, that's for sure, where the wind is blowing and it's freezing out. The New York winters is not really, if you're a Canadian, that's not too bad at all. So, so yeah, so Donnie had a little bit of adjustment, but uh, I'm sure he's got a heated garage and, uh, and he parks indoors when he goes to the game. So I'm sure he doesn't have to be outside too much unless he wants to. So speaking of uh, former players that you played with and recently reconnected with, you also tweeted a picture of you and Ron Chipperfield, and he had some, some kind words to say about the podcast, which is nice to hear. Well, it, it is nice to hear. Um, you know, Chris and I, we do this. Some days, I don't know why we do it, but Chris, he says, Dad, this is fun. Let's do it. So we do it, right? We don't make money on it. And so when you get somebody that says, 
you know what? I'm listening to it and I really enjoy it. You know what? It makes me want to keep doing it. So Ron, he just was kind enough to say that he listens to all the podcasts. And uh, and so Ron, you know, not because you said something nice to me, I'm going to say something nice to you. It doesn't work that way. I, w- I wouldn't say anything if I didn't believe it. But, you know, when you when I think of Ron Chipperfield, I played junior against him. He played for Brandon Wheat Kings and I played for Flin Flon. Google Ron Chipperfield. You should see his stats. When he was younger, oh, my Lord. That guy could score goals. At the end of the day, you look at the game sheet. An old chipper's three, four, five, six points. That guy could score goals. He had an ability that I never had. And Ron was a lot like Kevin Lowe. He was a lot like um, Don Maloney. Where he was nice to everybody and he smiled. And even, you know, he was a little more diplomatic than myself. That If he didn't really care for somebody... He never showed it, and he'd smile, and he was always nice to people. And and that's what I remember about him, was somebody that got along with everybody. He was always a happy guy, and uh, he never bragged about himself. And that's one thing that I sure appreciate. Uh, you know, people that have some good abilities, some of it's God-given, some of it you've just worked hard to, to get what you got in life. But he never pats himself on the back. He just plays the next game and plays the next game. And uh, when his career was over, I know, I think he played in Italy for quite a long time. And then he became a player agent. And he did very, very well. Um, so I understand Ron is retired now. Ron and I are the same age. I'm still working. Obviously, I did something wrong in life. I'm still working. But... Uh, hats off to you, Ron. Um, I'm sure glad I ran into you, and uh, it was good seeing you, and hopefully uh, we'll run into you sooner. And we just have a, a couple of uh, quick stories or comments that uh, you have before we get to the bigger topic, which I think is in the news. It seems to always be in the news, which is hazing. But we'll go. I know you tweeted about an interesting Connor McDavid story about what he did at an auction with 50,000. Not everyone follows you on Twitter, so do you want to... It's nice to share the good moments of hockey players, so do you want to just talk about that quick? You're right. Um, I was at a function at Roger's place. The Oilers were kind enough to invite me. And there were 72 tables for charity. There was 10 people at a table. And so you're looking at 720 people there. So all the Oilers have to attend. No, the management attended and some of the Oilers alumni. And um, again, this was was for charity. And they only had five live auction prizes or, or, or things to bid on. And so one of them was a fishing trip off the coast of Vancouver with Mark Messier. And so when it started off, they said, okay, where do you, who, who wants to start it off? And Connor McDavid put his hand up. He said $50,000 to fish with Mark Messier. And so, anybody want to beat that? No, no, there's no other bids. So, Connor won the fishing trip with Messier for $50,000. And then he just turned around and he said, you know what? I'm going to give this back for other people to bid on. So, he still paid his 50000 and I believe, and I may be wrong here, I believe it, it brought up between forty and 50000 
uh, after Connor put it back. So, it, it, and the charity was for Down syndrome, which uh, Joey Moss was uh, a gentleman that 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 works for the Oilers in the dressing room. Wayne Gretzky brought him around like 30, 40 years ago to be a member of the team, and the boys just love him. And so this charity was was in Joey's name. So hats off to Connor McDavid. You know, somebody would say, oh, well, it's a write-off, or it means nothing to him. Well, you know what? It's, the fact is, he was, it's fortunate enough that he could do this and not lose any sleep over it. But he did it, and it's for charity. And the bottom line is, that was a great move on his part. So, uh, Connor, way to go, buddy. And I'll just quickly add for people that are listening on iTunes, we really appreciate all the reviews. We, we realized that that's what helps when people are searching for hockey podcasts. The ones with reviews pop up first. And like we always say, we can use all the help we can get. So if you had a second to review the podcast, we would appreciate that. So I know, Dad, that you mentioned that you had uh, like an interesting comment on the power play. So if you want to go into more detail than that. Well, it's like I don't, I always think outside the box. And I'm, I I don't follow rules as much as I should. And I'm a little bit different. And, you know, I don't care about that. But where I'm going with that is I was on a, a television program interviewed for five minutes, ten minutes, and uh, it was the next oiler named Jason Strudwick who uh, worked for one of the TV stations, and that was his job was just to uh, do some interviewing for some sports figures. So he brought me on, and another fellow, and he started talking about, this was a year ago, two years ago, and he was talking about, well, the Oilers were having trouble with the power play not scoring goals. Like, what would you do to turn it around? And when I gave my answer, the two of them almost laughed. Like, they almost laughed me out of the out of the studio. They thought it was just bizarre. My answer, you know, it's not a. It's, you're not interviewed very long, so I couldn't really hog the the show and go into my explanation. But what I said was, you got to understand if you play the game of hockey. And, you know, you put your best power play out or your second line out, and they're not scoring, and they're not scoring. There's quite a camaraderie on the team and uh, between the defense and the forwards. And the defense always always chirping the forwards. Come on, you guys, it's so easy to score. How come you this guy down? Why can't you guys score? It's so easy up there, and they always chirp you. So I saw in Montreal, well, let me back it up. So what I said was, you know, to answer Jason Strudwick's question, I said, well, what I would do is I would put four or five D out on the power play. Now, remember, if the if the power play unit one and two are not scoring game after game after game, how could you do any worse? So, and I honestly would do this for a couple of reasons. Number one. You know, this is probably more known internally. So I would tell the my D guys, okay, four or five of them, I'd say, guys, this is your chance to show the forwards how easy it is up there. And so these guys, they're not going to overthink anything. They'll go in the corner in the offensive zone, grab the puck, and they'll just charge the front of the net, and they'll go for ugly goals. Like, they'll keep it simple. If you were the coach and you said, okay, you five, get out there and show them how it's done. 
they, those defense would be so pumped up. If you got them in the off, they would be in front of that net. They'd be in the corners winning the battles. It would, and I think it would be something the fans would love to see. These five, four or five D on the power play and acting as forwards. I think it's good for the game of hockey. I think that gets the interest from the fans. And if they ever score, the forwards would never hear the end of it. And and I kind of came up with that idea playing for Montreal Canadiens. We had an outstanding defense. And, um, you know, some of you are young and you don't know these names, but we had guys like Larry Robinson, Serge Savard, Guy Lapointe, Rod Langway. Like, we had some outstanding. And Brian Ingblom, who's in a, uh, like he's a color commentator today. You could put those guys out there, and they were, uh, and they were big boys back in their days. So Scotty Bowman would, and maybe put Guy Lafleur on the point. And um, those guys scored goals on a regular basis when they get out there. When they pull the goalie, they put one of those big defensemen in front of the net. So that's where I came up with uh, the idea of, you know, put the defense out there. I'm not saying put it out every single time or the game's on the line. But you know what? It's zero zero. It's one nothing. You know, there's a certain strategic time that I would do it. I think it's good for the game. I think it's good for the team morale, and I think the fans would kind of enjoy seeing that too. So that's my idea about the power play. Maybe uh, switch it up a bit and let the D jump in there. And let us know. You can tweet my dad if you think he's crazy or or if you think he's onto something brilliant. Well. You know, and then, of course, if the D goes out there and they give up two goals, then I don't look very good. But, again, I, I, I don't think that would happen, I, and I think it's worth in the game of hockey. Try something different and liven up the games. There's so many games this year that they're some of them are boring, and they were boring in my day, too, because there's just so many games and you travel so much. And So I just think it'd be good for the game. I think it'd be good for their home team fans. I hope somebody does it one day. So our final topic for today is hazing. And we didn't talk about this ahead of time. So I have no idea what you're going to say. You say there's no place for it in hockey. Uh, but I know you're going to talk about specifically what it's like in the 70s and 80s. I'm sure it's different. It's different now. So what are your thoughts? Let's just go back. I mean, most of the NHL teams, they, they, my experience, there was no hazing going on at the higher levels of the game of hockey. In the minors, the Central Hockey League, the American Hockey League, there was hazing going on. In junior, there's hazing going on. And I know when I was 19 and I was playing for Flint Fawn Bombers, back in those days, I had a full head of hair. The guys in Flint Fawn, they'd said, well... We're going to have, because what they did is anybody that was a rookie, they shaved their head, all their hair off. Well, you know, I was tough back then, and I was a little bit crazy. And it's like Ali says, Muhammad Ali, nobody's afraid of a tough guy, but everybody's afraid of a crazy man. I can say at 19, uh, I, I had a little bit of a crazy streak in me. And my eyes, from what my wife and other players have told me, when I was getting in a fight, my eyes used to twirl which sounds impossible, but this is what I've been told. So guys on my team, they say, well, we're going to have to hold you down and uh, shave your head. And I just said to those guys on my own team, all right, the first guy that comes to try to grab me, 
I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to knock you out or I'm going to spear you right in the head with my stick. No, I, I mean, I wouldn't do that, but they didn't know that I wouldn't do it. So nobody really wanted to step up and be the first guy. So they told me in all the years that Flin Flon Bombers were a hockey team in Flin Flon, that I was the first guy as a rookie that never got his 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 hair shaven. So that's kind of when hazing started in my world. But, you know, some of it's pretty minor stuff, you know. There's It's called boot shellac, which you back in those days you would put it on your skates to kind of, it's almost like a shoe polish, and it was shiny and it was sticky. You know, they might put it on uh, under your armpit, so then you have to shave your armpit hair off in order to get that off. Or maybe they shaved a little bit of your hair so that then you say, I walk around like this, or I got to cut the rest off. No, that's not anything goofy. But there was always, I don't know if the word's always, quite often, there was a couple guys on each team in the minors that would always like they would take it too far, and and I'm not at liberty to tell you the stuff that they wanted to do, you know. But some of us guys that could control the room, but down there we said not a freaking chance. Like we're not doing that. That's perverted. That's weird. Oh no, this would be great. Yeah, this guy's a cocky rookie. We'll teach him. Like it defeats the purpose. I mean, you know, it's kind of a team bonding, which maybe some people can't understand. But just do minor things, you know. And and when I when I hear what's happened recently, I think it's called St. Michael's in Ontario, what happened out there, like that's gross. And it was a football team, so what do you got? Like sixty players and of course I bet you count on one hand the guys that were the weirdos that took it too far. And um so the whole college has got a black eye now. So when you talk about hazing, I'm not against it. But it's those one or two players on a hockey team that always want to take it too far. And it's up to the other players to uh, to step in and just say, we're not doing it. And, and that's the end of that. And what the guys used to do is they would take a hockey stick, for example, and just put it behind their back with their arms spread out and then tie up their wrist to the hockey stick at either end. So your arms are just straight out like a scarecrow. And then they do the same thing with your ankles and a hockey stick. So you can't move at all. So you're at their mercy. And, you know, sometimes they put a blindfold so he couldn't see who did what to to him. And, and again, that's okay if you don't do stupid crap. And so I'm against hazing, you know, when those one or two guys step up and they do something that's pretty weird and it could hurt somebody. Um, so those those guys... They deserve to get put in jail. But why is why is it okay to tie them up to hockey sticks? Like, why does that even matter? Well, it, they're not allowed to wiggle around them. Yeah, but what's the point? Well, the, the point again, it's just it's you might not agree with this, but it's almost like you're a rookie. Welcome to the team. We had a guy named John Van Beesbrook who was a rookie, you know, um, with the within the Ranger organization on their farm team. And John was a goalie, and he was a great goalie, had a great NHL career, done well for himself. But he had so much confidence in himself. He he would, uh, you couldn't knock that guy down because he believed he was the best, which is what you got to do when you get to that level. 
but he was at the point that the other guy said, that guy's cocky. So his girlfriend was coming to visit him and they, 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 you know, we'll call it hazing. So nothing had been done to him. So what they did is they kind of tied him so that he couldn't move and then they shaved his pubic hair. And that was it. That's not too bad. And then, so he was kept being cocky. So he got it twice that year. Right. But I mean, it wasn't at a perverted level. It's, that's probably the worst that I would allow to happen. And that's not even so bad. But don't you think you can be a rookie on a team and feel part of the team without having to go through any of that? Like, does that actually bond you or does that make you resentful? Yeah, I'll say it might bond the guys that are doing it. I'm not so sure about the receiving end, but you know what? The guys that had it done, and it was, and it wasn't anything that was perverted being done to them. They laughed, and it was no, they didn't lose sleep that night. That was just the way it was back in my day. And there was a lot of things that have changed, and I'm just saying, and I'm old school, so I didn't see anybody hurt. You know, there was a couple guys that wanted to take it too far, but us older guys and tougher guys that could back it up, we just wouldn't allow it to happen. So I'm not dead against it. It just depends what you're doing. And so, you know, you're right. Do you have to do it? No, you don't. But, I mean, I'm just telling you what I saw, and there was no harm done, and there was nobody that uh, you had to report anybody to the police. And so that's my story. Well, we'll agree to, to disagree on this one, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you my opinion. And it's just, as I always say, it's just an opinion. I'm not saying I'm right or I'm wrong. That's just what I you know, saw and witnessed in my feelings. Well, you can let us know what you think as well. It's an interesting debate for sure. Um, but until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm Cam.